Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. Okay, so today we are really excited because we have another panel episode for you. We've been having fun with these, having two people on to talk about um, a various topic or subject. And so today we have Stephanie Askoff and Karen Limero, and I'm butchering her name. I know I'm butchering her name, but go to the notes, you'll see the spelling. Um, We have links to both of these great authors in the notes and to their books, um, so go check them out. And we've had them both on before, so go back and look at... um, listen to those episodes because both of these ladies have just some some wonderful things to say about writing and life and all of that um so welcome both of you yay thanks for having us we always start with kind of the story of something and so we thought would you be willing to share your story with the lord of the rings yeah how are you introduced to it and all of that i did not even know the books existed until i learned about the movies while they were in production and um I read one article about them and I thought, huh, I think I might want to read the books before the movies come out. So I, I mean, it's been over 20 years. I don't remember if I read the whole trilogy back to back or if I read the first one and then saw the movie, but I just remember being completely swept into this story. And I have a very vivid memory of like finishing the book, the last book, the return of the King, um, in a very specific location and just feeling so you know that high you get from finishing a book that just (laughs) surprises you and moves you in so many ways so yeah that was the first time and I'm happy that I got to read it before seeing the film and although I, I I super love both um so I remember I remember being little and laying on the floor of our library, our family library, and looking at, it was a book made of the stills from Mm. the old Rankin and Bass, what was that, like 70, I don't even remember what year it was, it was old, right, The Hobbit, right? Yeah. So it was was a picture book comprised of the stills from the movie, and it told the story of The Hobbit, right? And I remember my brother and I were just absolutely, we were so taken in. And, you know, after that, I don't really, I actually don't even think we watched the movie. I think we just had the book. (laughs) We weren't a big movie house. Um, We weren't a big TV house. And so it wasn't until college, actually, that I, I think I must have found The Hobbit on my dad's bookshelves or something. And I read it and I was just completely entranced. I absolutely loved it. I loved his writing style. I loved the world. I mean, by this point, I was fully entrenched in fantasy I mean it was my favorite (laughs) genre and and so then I got into Lord of the Rings uh and it took me a little longer to get through Lord of the Rings because Lord of the Rings is different in style for sure it is um so it took me a little bit um but again you know once I got into it it just you know the scope of the world and and the languages and the character that you just everything so then when I when I found out they were making movies about it, it was one of those, you know, every every book lover is, you know, dream and nightmare. You're like, yes. are they going to do a good job or are they going to yeah. ruin it? <laughs> yes. So I remember following every tidbit that they released about the productions very closely. 
um, and being so, I remember going to the theater with my brothers and my cousins and, you know, taking up a whole row in the theater and just being <laughs> on the edge of our seats. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, but I don't think I, you know, even though I had read them in college, I don't think I appreciated the depth mm. of the stories until mm. I got older, maybe even I, after seeing the movies. Yeah. The I think they kind of like got me back into the yeah. books. Even it is I one read. of those stories that just has so many layers. Like each time you read it, I think something yeah. else stands out and yes. it has a, a new depth and a new, you just have a new understanding for it as you age, I think. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things we wanted to talk about that I'm, I love because it's something that I think is really interesting and, and something as a writer that I think is really good to study um, is the contrast between characters. Like as an author, when you can contrast characters, you can set up a really like kind of highlight both characters in a different way. Um, And so we wanted to kind of just talk about some of the character pairings maybe that are your favorites or, um, and how the, that contrast and similarity sometimes, um, can help to just draw you into the character and make them feel even more real. So are there any that stand out to you in that way? Um, I, I, the first, as, as you were talking, I was thinking of, of Sam and Frodo because I, I always think of them as kind of like the grumpy sunshine. He's not totally grumpy, but Sam, Samwise is just so, he's so optimistic and he's, mm-hmm. He's always looking forward. I mean, the, you know, I think the films do such a beautiful job of, you know, those moments where he's like, well, we only have, you know, this much food if we're going to make it back. And Frodo kind of looks at him and is like, you're assuming we're going to make it back. I just, yeah. <laughs> all of those moments are just so heart-wrenching and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that Tolkien put the two of them together. Yeah. And, you know, Frodo is this very well-respected, you know, we get the impression he's very learned um you know mm-hmm. sam wise in contrast is is presented as, as this this you know kind of more simple character actually the proverbs um have you read the proverbs of middle earth that's a really no, cool uh-uh. book. It no. is a really cool book it explores well the proverbs like the sayings and all of these things that we've collected that's over cool. years all this wisdom from tolkien and his and his works and um there's a whole section about the wisdom of Samwise and like the simple people and everything. It's just, mm. it's just fantastic. But, you know, just the pairing of those two, I think it's, it's one of the most beautiful friendships in yeah. like all literature. I just, I, look, told- I love looking, I love looking at how they complement each other. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it is one of the most beautiful friendships. Like it, it stands out to me as a friendship across the board and anything like I think French of anything Samwise and Frodo like they're just they're just fabulous and I think there's so much we can learn as writers from the way that he wrote them and Kate I know you posted about this recently but I would love to kind of talk about it a little bit just the the way that Tolkien approaches male friendships and um just how great that is it's such a refreshing like I don't know it's so refreshing in contrast to the like toxic masculinity of like I have to not cry and not reveal my feelings and all of this stuff like it just feels so honest and and freeing I think yeah I know that um you know I know that the films in particular have come under fire mm-hmm. for the you know the portrayals that the actors and that's you know that's I guess on the actors and and the directors and stuff and I it's one of those things where you know I I can often see people's arguments um mm-hmm. 
And a lot of the people who argue that they think the films are more, you know, are, are more like of a romantic portrayal. Mm. A, um, a lot of those people do agree that there's nothing of that in the books. Yeah. You know, I, I don't happen to think that the films, I don't see that in the films. Um, but of course, you know, everybody has their perspective and, and everybody is entitled yeah. to their perspective. Um, but yeah, I, even if you're just looking at the books, um, you know, or no, even the films, I mean, you have, you have Bormir and Aragorn. I mean, mm -hmm. their friendship is, is beautiful. It's beautifully done. I thought it was beautifully done in the films. You know, that moment, I hardly think it's a spoiler anymore because I'm pretty sure we'll Yeah, I think this this conversation can totally have spoilers. <laughs> death scene in the movie is, I mean, tell me that is not one of the most poignant moments in all of yeah. the. I mean, oh my gosh, um, you know, and and that portrayal of that tenderness and that affection and that respect and it's just beautifully done. And and the book is full of of friendships like that. And I and I love that. I love that Tolkien realized the value of this kind of friendship because I think in our society we it feels like we've kind of forgotten that guys need friends and they don't just need friends to sorry for the generalization they don't just need friends to like you know go drink beers with yeah um you know they need friends yeah. that they can talk to about stuff that they trust right yeah um, and and that they can be vulnerable with yeah. um I can't tell you how many men are like I wish I had male friends that I could talk to about stuff. Like mm -hmm. I can talk to you. That's mm -hmm. really sad. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. That's sad that you don't have any guy friends that you can talk to. Like you can talk to me because I'm female. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a sad realization. And you know, I, you very much get the impression, even though, you know, Tolkien's work is not, it's, I wouldn't call it character centric. So you don't get a lot of those in-depth conversations sure. like you might in a different kind of story. You get the impression that those, conversations happen yeah. because of what you see on the page. Yeah. And, you know, I think his, I think his relationship with Lewis, I think his relationship with his childhood buddies, I don't mm -hmm. know if anybody's seen the film Tolkien about Tolkien, but that was, that was a great film. It's mm -hmm. about his, his buddies before he met all of the inklings and everything, you know, the mm -hmm. buddies that he went to war with and lost. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful film, beautifully done. Music is gorgeous. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's about those friendships and, and how formative and important those friendships were for him. Mm. And I think it comes out in his writing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love that it's, it's not an either or thing. Like you have mm. such a, 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 a wide, um, a, such a depth to the characters, experiences and interactions that, like you said, it's like, yes, they're literally going to war and you know, fighting with swords and bows and arrows and hacking limbs off. <laughs> but and they're also forming these bonds and yeah. not afraid of showing their vulnerabilities, not afraid of showing affection, which is like, like you said, one of my absolutely favorite mm -hmm. things about the books and the films. And just this this comfort and this confidence isn't even quite the word I'm looking for, but they're just so comfortable in mm -hmm the depth of their humanity mm. and yeah I think that's I mean that's one of the things that toxic masculinity robs men yeah. of is the depth mm. of their humanity and yeah. I was gonna say like like you said I totally would have said Sam and Frodo too going back to the whole character question and 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 honestly like I love both like I love 
interpreting it as a romantic relationship and interpreting it as a friendship relationship, I think that it's complete either way. Like, mm-hmm. yes to like platonic male friendships. And if you are a queer character who sees yourself in their relationship, that's awesome. And I'm here for it. But yeah, I just, yeah, I have to agree about the male friendships being one of my favorite things and in the whole, the whole books and how I mm-hmm. think it was portrayed in the films as well. Mm-hmm. I love Gimli and Legolas and I love that they go on a yes. like a road trip afterwards to yes. each other's favorite places like yes. that always like touches me in a in, like I just enjoy it so much yeah I think yeah. especially because of where they start out right like yes. absolutely <laughs> yes yeah, yeah, they're like exactly. the enemies to friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 the enemies to friendship. They're the ultimate yeah. enemies to, <laughs> to yeah. friendship. Well, and I think it's always interesting, like in contrast, like in speaking of contrast, like there's not just contrast between characters, but between the relationships characters have with other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have like Sam and Frodo. I mean, they've been friends for a long time, right? Like there's this established friendship, and then you have um Legolas and Gimli and it's very different like their relationship is very different from Sam and Frodo's and then you even have like Bilbo and Gandalf and like these these different friendships and I think that's really important too because not every friendship is going to look the same and not every relationship we have with one person is going to look the same as a relationship we have with someone else and I think sometimes we try to like force them to look the same right or we expect those friendships to all this particular way and and I love that he just shows kind of that variety in the types of relationships even like Gandalf and Frodo I I mean I would say that they're friends but there's also this element of like mentor and and mentee to their relationship Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that complexity and that there are layers sometimes to the relationships we have with people um, I think is really really amazing yeah and one of the things that um, is slightly different from the books and the movies is I'm just rereading Lord of the Rings. I haven't gotten very far with the Fellowship of the Ring, but I had forgotten that Mary is a much closer friend with Frodo in the beginning than Sam is. Mm. And that is a very interesting transition. And there's a lot there that I've forgotten Mm. um, how it changes in the books, except we know that Sam and Frodo obviously grow a lot closer and, you know, and then Mary and Pippin go off and have their adventures and form, you know, have these shared experiences and, so it's just interesting, like, that's another example of how their relationships change. And I just think it's interesting that, you know, Sam starts out in basically a, a servant's position and like a well-respected mm-hmm. and like, you know, valued person. But, you know, he is written as simple. And I've I've heard mm-hmm. some people taking that as like, maybe there's some classism. I don't know. I can't really speak to that or not. But just the different roles that they play and how Sam and Frodo's differences as characters are so important for the mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of see them shine, even though that sounds way shinier than what actually happens. <laughs> but you just see how much their differences are so needed yeah. for the story and for the the goals that they're trying to achieve. Mm. And, even and if you look, I, I was thinking, Stephanie, as you were talking, even if you look at that iconic scene where Sam has to decide, you know, are we giving up or am I going to try to help Frodo make it the rest of the way into the fires of Mount Doom? You know, that whole, especially, I mean, it's it's well done in the movies, but in the books, that whole inner monologue that you get, mm-hmm. that you're privy to that Tolkien wrote out for Samwise, 
you know, you were talking about their roles and how, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if it had been anybody but Sam, I don't think it would have happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because nobody but Sam had the relationship with Frodo, right? You know, no, nobody mm-hmm. else had that connection with him in the way that Samwise did. And nobody had that sense of, I would almost say responsibility towards this, yeah. this person that Sam did. And, you know, if it had been anybody, any, any other member of the fellowship, I don't know if that scene would have happened mm-hmm. because it's uniquely, it's, you know, the, the whole thought process is absolutely unique to Sam and who he is. Yeah. And it's the point about Mary, that's such a great point. Cause you know, the other thing is, and this always happens between books and movies, but <clears throat> if you haven't read the books in a while, you forget that Mary and Pippin are very different characters in the books. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. In the movies, they're very much, um, especially Pippin, are very much like almost like comic relief. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, or even, you know, even to the point of like kind of blindly going along with, you know, oh yeah, sure, you're yeah. going to leave the shower. We'll, we'll take along, you know. Um, whereas in the in the books, you know, they're, they're, they're quite, well-informed and they're very they're actually very serious at, at a lot of points yeah, they're very mature yeah they are they're not you know and yeah. I under, I understand why the films did what they did mm-hmm. but but that's you know that's another thing that you you kind of lose in mm-hmm. that translation which is a shame because not that I don't like the portrayal in the films but um the portrayal you know the way that Tolkien portrayed like you were saying, Mary and Frodo and Mary and Pippin and, you know, all of these, mm. these dynamics, even in that little quartet, the dynamics in that quartet yeah. are, are just so beautifully done mm-hmm. in books. Well, that kind of what we're talking about kind of plays into then like the strengths of the different characters. And we also have flaws and we can talk about that too. But I, I love how that kind of shows Sam's strengths coming out when mm. they're needed. And obviously we see his flaws through it as well. Are there any other like character strengths that kind of leap out to you as well? I just, I always think of Gandalf and how like content he is to be seen as this like fireworks guy, you know, (laughs) bumbling wizard. (laughs) Here's this being who's like ancient beyond anybody's reckoning. And he's just in this humble, almost Mm -hmm. overlooked kind of like, um taken for granted position and like mm-hmm. he's not you know and he just has this affection for the hobbits and just mm-hmm. this like I don't know he's just he just doesn't I mean it's one of the stark differences between him and Saruman you know it's like he yeah. he cares about these people and he yeah. he loves them and he's kind of you know he's a part of their lives at least for some of them and um and it's like you know okay so he's he's berating himself a little bit later about like maybe I should have acted sooner if I'm remembering correctly like Um, maybe I should have seen this sooner or whatever but it's also that like his affection for them is so vital to the story and his just his willingness to like be with them and and treat mm -hmm. them as equals in some ways like they don't know all about him but his willingness to just be a part of their lives is I mean, you can't measure the value of that in terms of mm. how it impacts their lives and how it impacts Middle Earth as a whole. And not only that, but his willingness to believe in like Frodo's strength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when Frodo says, I will take the ring and everybody in the fellowship is looking at him, <laughs> he's nuts. And mm-hmm. Gandalf's going, yeah, no, nah, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> you know? I mean, that he, you know, his, his, his knowledge of the hobbits and you know, their strength and and the adventure that he had with Bilbo and everything is what allowed mm-hmm. him to say, 
actually this could work. <laughs> yeah. Unlike certain other bearded <laughs> wizards who just like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking too of, of Aragorn, who is, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely one of my favorite Tolkien characters of all time. You know, yeah. that again, you know, another character who I, I love, like, I lo- I always think of how he introduces himself, um, especially in the films. It's really well done in the films, how he introduces himself to, to Frodo. And he, you know, yeah, I'm Strider. I'm, I'm yes. just this mysterious dude sitting in the corner and um, <laughs> you can absolutely no reason to trust him, right? No reason, to, yeah. you know, doesn't, doesn't trot out the whole list of, you know, impressive, impressive lineage or anything. Just, just is kind of like, yeah, you you know, you should come with me. <laughs> um, he, you know, he, he could have, he could have tried to impress him. He could have tried to yeah. <clears throat> show him why he, why he should be going with him. And he, he doesn't, I, he just, he kind of leads very quietly and mm. almost reservedly, you know, and along with Gandalf, just very, very content to be, to be humble and to be doing what mm. he needs to be doing, whether that's, whether that's leading or following or supporting or any of those things, um, even the moments when he steps into those roles, you know, um, and I think the films did a really good job of that, like um, the the whole Helm's Deep thing and the Mm -hmm. celebration afterwards and how he tries to pass it off and say, you know, no, this, you know, this victory belongs to all of us, that whole, that whole line and all that, you know, he's just, he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. But that's part of why, because he embodies not only all of the things we were talking about with healthy masculinity, (laughs) but he's, you know, he's so content to just be what he needs to be in the moment. Mm. He doesn't have to shine. He doesn't have to be the center of attention, even though he could be if he wanted to. That's so true. I think all of his leaders really, I mean, the the leaders on the good side, you know, have that quality of humility and and you see that in contrast often with the power hungry um greedy kind of the the leaders that are not doing that and to kind of show the opposite i think make the humility stand out even more and i think even with boromir you know he's a mm-hmm. character that's complicated obviously and he does something that is later you know has a huge he makes a very giant mistake but i think he he isn't acting out of like that arrogance. I think he's acting out of that want for power because he feels powerless to protect yeah. others. Yeah. And I think that's interesting. Um, it's more interesting than him just taking it because he's actually doing it from a place of wanting to do good. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. You know, I, Tolkien does a really good job of, you know, say like the contrast between Boromir's desire for the ring. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know it's completely it is completely different, but you know, Gollum at the end, you know, Gollum's desire for the ring yeah. is solely because yeah. he's obsessed with it. And he's, yeah. you know, this is the, this is the one thing that in his life that he's been wanting, you know, whereas in Bormir is, you know, yeah, he's, he's almost acting out of a place of desperation, right? Yeah. He's, he's so frustrated by not being able to help his people. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those doing the right things for the wrong reasons kind of thing. Yes. We're doing the wrong things for the right reasons. <laughs> one of those situations. But yeah, yeah. As, as you were talking, I was thinking of, a, you know, like Saruman and Denethor and all of these characters that acted out of this place of not desire to do anything for the people around them, really, but out of a desire for power and influence. Mm-hmm. And I think Tolkien does a great job of, of 
you know, you were talking about contrast before yeah. and that contrast between those opposing sides is so well done. Yeah. My memory of how this goes in the book is shaky at best, but I really kind of appreciated how in the movie they give you that flashback of Boromir and Faramir. And mm-hmm. aside from like, I just love brother relationships, sibling relationships and stories are some of my absolute favorite, but you see another layer to his, because I think he really, he really gets how his father views and sees Faramir. So mm-hmm. not only does he have like this huge expectation of his father, who's not an easy man, you know, he wants to take care of his people. And like you said, that contributes to a place of feeling powerless. And then he's got his brother that he's kind of leaving with no buffer between him and their father. And mm-hmm. I just, I really liked seeing that again, it just adds more layers to him. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about morally great characters and stuff. And I just think I love when characters are human, <laughs> like, mm-hmm we have flaws and we have beautiful strengths. And I just love characters who have both because those are the ones that we can relate to. And for that reason, I mean, Aragorn is interesting because if I remember correctly in the books, he's not nearly as um, conflicted about taking on the role at all. It seemed that he was completely, you know, expecting it or, or just, you know, but kind of waiting until the right time to take that on. And I kind of really love that in the movie, he's conflicted. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that added a layer of humanity to him that really helped us as a more, I don't know, more modern audience relate to and connect with. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If people ever start to go to, you know, like try to rip rip apart Bormir, I'm like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Wait, (laughs) don't you dare. Yeah. Yeah. I love that he's even kind of given his moment. Like he gets that hero moment where mm-hmm. he gets, you've seen the worst of him, but then you kind of get to see the best and that's how he leaves the story. And I just think there's something beautiful about an author who understood that about his character, who understood that, yes, this is the worst when he take, tries to take the reins, but this is some of the best of him. Too. Let's so we'll talk about Faramir first. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that was a character that Laura and I were talking about a little while ago and how, you know, if you saw the film after you'd read the book, that was one of the things where you were kind of like, mm, I have thoughts. <laughs> but one of the things that, you know, is so lovable about Faramir is that the book in the book, he has this, this inner strength that's just like, it's very, it's very quiet. And it's not that we don't get that his father's treatment of him doesn't trouble him and bother him deeply, but it's that he, he's got this almost stubbornness to doing what he knows is right, even when he's not getting any support from his father. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I get why, you know, I kind of get why from the film standpoint, they, they had changed that. But I was still kind of like, but it's so funnier. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's, I'd love to, yeah, I want to hear someone else talk about it too. <laughs> I, I agree with you. Um, I, I understand why the filmmakers did what they did, um, especially when you're trying to present something to a modern audience who is expecting a lot of drama. <laughs> right. <laughs> their, their choice is up to the drama for sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, on all, on all counts. 
but I agree with you in the books, there's something really encouraging mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. that inner reserve, like you said, that he is just able to almost weather mm-hmm. everything that's thrown at him because he has this conviction that what he's doing is what he should be doing, regardless of, mm-hmm. of praise or even approval. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, I would love to read, like, a fan fiction of, like, earlier Faramir going through that struggle. Because we know he didn't, he wasn't always like this. Like, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't buy that. But, like, showing some, like, growth and, like, him coming into his own strength and his own resolve. Like, mm-hmm. somebody please write that fan fiction. <laughs> that I would read it, too. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I love in that part where he actually has the opportunity to the ring they don't actually make up any lines for him in the movie they just have them say them in earnest and when he's saying them he's in the book he's actually saying them kind of sarcastically almost as if someone else would be commenting on what's happening rather than himself and he doesn't even he says I don't want to see it I don't want to touch it and I I just love that he knows that he could be overcome and so he kind of has the wisdom to be like, don't even bring it near me type of thing. Um, I'm, I like that strength of character, especially mm-hmm. because I think he knows, even in that moment, he knows what his brother did. He's told that his brother uh, attempted to take it. And he kind of is like, that was, you know, that was a temptation that he couldn't resist, but he is going to make a different choice. And I just like that. To have the wisdom. And not the, you know, to use wisdom and not arrogance Mm -hmm. to say, I'm not stronger than him. So I'm not even going to try. Right. That's impressive. Like when Sam, like when Sam tells him that he's, you know, he's shown his quality. I love that moment. (laughs) I do too. We kind of briefly touched on flaws. Are there any flaws that we haven't talked about yet that that you'd like to, to talk about in the characters? And for me, I, one of the things I was thinking about is actually Sam with his distrust and yes, it all goes well, but there's kind of that him and Gollum, him and Smeagol mm-hmm. tension due mm-hmm. to, I think Sam has a kind of this unwillingness to, to change in some ways. And yes, it can be used for the good, but it also can be used kind of to, um, to create that tension in those relationships. That's a great example. You know, and it's and it's not only because perhaps of um, a more narrow worldview, but also, mm-hmm. you know, when you consider that Sam has really no experience <laughs> with the burden that Frodo is is carrying. So, you know, that ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes um, is made easier, of course, when you actually have to, you know, that Frodo actually has to bear the weight over the ring and everything um, and understands to some extent where Gollum is coming from. Whereas, you know, you consider that Samwise, you know, he has that brief time when he, when he has the ring, but um, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't have the understanding that Frodo has. And so some of Frodo's compassion, of course, does come from his experience um, and if, if you think about even early on, you know, that whole, the whole exchange between Frodo and Gandalf, where he talks about 
I don't understand why, you know, pity, pity Bill yeah. didn't kill him in that whole, that whole exchange. It's pity that stayed his hand, you know, that whole, the, the way that that comes for, full circle for Frodo and how he finally understands, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is what he meant by that. <clears throat> and that, you know, Sam will never really can't have that understanding. Um, certainly he can learn some of the compassion, but not to the depth that Frodo does. Yeah. I think um, these characters all have some really amazing ways that they change. Like they, and I think that's wonderful because, you know, characters change and they go through big experiences like this and they should. And he does a really good job with that. But I think it's very interesting too that they still are them, you know? And I think um, Sam is a good example of that in this case. Like, his both his strength and his weakness are sort of the same thing or opposite sides of the same coin and he doesn't lose that even as he is growing and changing in some other ways and and I always find that a little bit hard as a writer I think to have characters change in ways that are still really believable with with who they are um where they're not actually changing almost where they're they're changing their beliefs right or their approach to the world but not not their essence (laughs) Yeah, and, and I think that is a complex thing to to balance, and I think he does it really well with the, with a lot of characters here. I was, you know, I was thinking about Eowyn at the beginning, and you know, I'll, it's it's just it, in a way, it's kind of easier to refer to her portrayal in the film just because more mm-hmm. so many people are familiar with it. Um, and I did like it's Miranda Ott, right? Miranda, Miranda Ott, Ott. Uh, Otto, um, Otto, Otto. You know, I I I thought I did I did like her portrayal a lot. But, you know, she starts out and she's, in a way, she's almost very selfish. I mean, understandably so in a lot of ways. But, you know, her her entire, her beef with everything is that she she's mad because she doesn't get to do what she wants, basically. I mean, yeah. if you really take it down, she's mad at the restrictions placed on her because she's female, um, because perhaps because she's noble you know, the expectations of that role and, and, you know, and the lifestyle that she's been born into. Um, And by the end, I just think you see such a transformation in her realizing that there are so many things that are so much bigger and she still is able to fulfill a lot of the things that she wanted to, but it's with such a different under such a wider understanding Hmm. than at the beginning you know, I don't think I don't think her arc would have been quite as satisfying if she had just gotten to go and, you know, swing a sword around yeah. <laughs> for a little bit yeah. without everything that happened to her, without falling in love with Aragorn, without, you know, the whole battle with the Witch King and, and all of that, without all of that unfolding the way that it did. I in in a lot of ways, I think at the beginning she appears very young, mm-hmm. maybe almost naive mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, sheltered. And I think by the end, because of everything that she sees and everything she goes through, yeah, her arc is just her arc is just so well done. And I don't think it would be near as powerful without everything that she went through. Personally, I'm one of those people who like cheers for her when she's like, I don't want to die in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, and, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's been a while since I've read the books, like I said, but like one thing that stood out to me when I saw the film that I hadn't really picked up on when I read the book was just how she's surrounded by men who, you know, her brother's going out doing these things and then he gets exiled by this Grima, and he's this, you know, poisonous influence in the court. Her uncle is 
basically like unresponsive towards her, like, you know, mm-hmm. and so she has like, she doesn't have anybody to confide in. She doesn't have anybody mm-hmm. who really sees her. Mm-hmm. Um, they did such a good job showing that isolation. They did. And yeah. like, I, that is so relatable. I mean, I just like, that is so relatable. Ooh. And I, I do love how she matures over the story by realizing like you already had value without having to go to war and yeah you kicked ass in war just saying so like (laughs) it's it's like yes like valuing where she was and who she was in that moment where she wasn't able to value herself and so she Mm -hmm. was like reaching for these things and um and you know not sure of not really sure of who she was and you know so and yeah I just I love I have to say this and then I'll stop I love the scene in the houses of healing because it's one of the tenderest moments with Aragorn and it's not romantic like she doesn't wake up and isn't like falling in love with him all over again she's it represents like so much healing for her and it represents so much of Aragorn as a healer king and it's just like one of the most beautiful scenes to me in the whole film. And it's, it's after that where she's kind of, I think, processing what she's done and what she's seen mm-hmm. and what she's gone through and all the sacrifices that people have made where she's kind of like, okay, this is not as glorious as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. This is actually pretty terrible. Um, and then that just kind of like introduces her to Faramir and like, just I love that whole that whole part (laughs) and even despite it being I I think you know one of the amazing things about fantasy is that you can address so many things that are so relatable despite all of the fantasy aspects and that aspect of her realizing her value you know realizing that her value was not on you know was not tied to her her deeds or or any heroism or any anything Mm -hmm. like that that is such a relatable yeah. Um, experience and and situation and journey yeah to so many people right now <laughs> yeah even pandemic notwithstanding and all of the things that have happened because of you know people getting ill and the work-life balance and I you know just on such a basic human level her mm-hmm. journey is yeah. really powerful and in a book so filled with male characters, like everywhere, I I think she's such a fascinating character because she has both soft and hard edges. Mm-hmm. She's not one thing. Mm-hmm. And she has one of the best lines really in the entire book. And one of the like biggest hero moments, like the I am the man, <laughs> which we have to say is, it's just one of those moments that, while reading it I just I, every time I hear it I cheer and <laughs> I just love how um I really love how well rounded she was written yeah agreed because you know Arwen is lovely but she really doesn't yeah well in the books she's really not there much. she's a background character <laughs> she's really yeah. not there at all they played that yeah. up a lot for the movies yes. um you know she and if, you, if you're familiar with the extended you know with Tolkien's extended works of course you have like Baron and Luthien and you know there's a lot of other you know Galadriel and there's a lot of other female characters to love but 
Yes, for sure. Eowyn, even in the books, Eowyn's yeah. page time and and her character and her presence, I would say, are one of the most powerful. I think it was always really interesting to me, um, just from like personal experience. My first experience with these books, I was quite young, um, younger than ten, older than seven. Like <laughs> my dad read it to me, and she didn't stand out to me at all at that stage like barely remembered her and it wasn't until I read it again in college that she just like <laughs> like like there is such resonance with that and and I think it was in, it's just sort of interesting from a almost a sociological standpoint mm-hmm. that at that age I didn't feel all of that like I think she taps into some some feminist rage in some ways um yeah. and by college that was like she was like the icon of that to me and I think you're right that 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 rage starts out in a place that is very kind of selfish and a little um although we could argue rightfully so um but naive maybe naive I think naive is is a really good word for it um and she does have this arc of change but I think she also just kind of taps into something so human and and particularly so relatable I think for women and I think it's fascinating that someone that a male who at at this time especially um who writes primarily male characters obviously could still tap into that um is kind of fascinating to me and it's really it's really quite interesting if you start reading about um his relationship with Tolkien's relationship with his wife Mm. and um and you start reading about her experience and some of the things that they struggled with in their marriage and Mm. um, Makes me wonder what they talked about. Hmm. Yeah. Makes really makes me wonder how much he knew hmm. about her like inner thought processes and stuff. Yeah, I don't know much about that, but that would be really that's a really good question. Now I want to go. Had, they had their differences at times. Yeah. Hmm. Don't we all, right? <laughs> They're just hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't we all? Yes. <laughs> and you know, they are, I mean, they really are a beautiful love story non-fictional mm-hmm. <laughs> they you know they the two of them their story is incredible um but yeah just like everybody else they had their they had their moments um their religion was one of them mm-hmm. you know later in her life um she struggled with some of the things marrying him and what that had meant for her faith and mm-hmm. it's really really interesting to read about well, which is why I say it makes me wonder, you know, yeah, somebody who who wrote this character who showed such a depth of understanding of what A1 was going through. It makes me wonder if he, hmm. you know, what he and what he needed talked about. As we kind of bring this to a close, are there any other like characters that we didn't mention that you just like be like a quick aside about? <laughs> I I must say I love the Gandalf and Pippin dynamic and how that yes. changes over time. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say, there's actually this very funny conversation, like podcast of the character, the actors who played Mary and Pippin, who were talking about where an F word would be placed in the yes. film since it was PG thirteen, and that was one of the scenes <laughs> where Pippin would apologize to Gandalf. So. <laughs> I love it. I actually think I think one of the things that Tolkien does really well when you're talking about just characters in general, since you were, you know, we were talking about characters in this episode, is 
a lot of the side characters, even if they mm -hmm. don't get a lot of page time mm -hmm. or screen time. I mean, we mentioned Wormtongue earlier. You know, he, he, he is a side character. But when you really start thinking about his background and how he became what he became and even his arc, I mean, that, you know, at the end that he he kind of realizes everything that happened and he turns on his master and I just the whole if you I mean, you could write a whole fan fiction about him, too, yeah. and it would be such a fascinating story. And I think Tolkien was so good. Like you get the sense that he knew all of these characters. He knew their backstories. He knew their motivations. And regardless of whether or not it shows up on the page, it shows up between the lines. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about his world building. We talk about his, his you know, his skill as a philologist and all of the languages and everything. But when you really get down to it, you know, all of those things are awesome and they make us, you know, they're impressive and they make for a, a great story. But it's still about the characters yeah. and all of those side characters. I mean, even you know, Galadriel's husband and and all of the things about where he came from. And, you know, some of these characters that just get mentioned in name, you know, the men that travel with Faramir, the men who follow Eomer, you know, all of these different side characters, some of them don't even have names. And yet you get the sense that Tolkien knew all of them and he knew all of their motivations. Mm -hmm. And that shows up in the story. And that's part of what makes it such a deep story. It's not just the world building and the languages and the complexity of it all, the scope of it all. It's the scope of the characters too, yeah. and not just the main characters. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that element of compassion that he has for some of the smaller villains, like mm -hmm. the ones who are deep in power, who've been at it for a long time, like they're so much farther in their story that they've lost so much of their humanity. But, you know, like you said, like the worm tongues and the golems who have made terrible choices and hurt a lot of people, but who also like, he still maintains that measure of like, you know, okay, they're hobbits or whatever, but they're humanity. And yeah, that is very yeah. interesting. And I think very important as well. Oh yeah. From us, like from a psych standpoint, I mean, Gollum's entire character and journey and yeah, oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> you could write several theses on that. <laughs> And the, like you said, the way that Tolkien handled that when he could have just demonized him. Yes. He could have straight up demonized him. Yeah. Villainized him and left him to be. This one dimensional and, character. Yeah. Yeah. And he chose not to. Mm -hmm. He chose to show us why, why Gandalf says we should pity him. Mm -hmm. There's a really powerful message there. Yeah. I love that he even takes the time to give us a signal when like Gollum is in charge, like mm -hmm. his eyes go green or there's like a green light about them. And I, I think that there's something beautiful about being able to signal like his Smeagol side and his Gollum side and those warring sides of himself. And that was, that was really well done in the film. I thought the way that they were able to show that dichotomy, that duality was really <laughs> Yeah. Those were, they were super creepy, but they were really well done. So you get a lot of characters that are kind of at war with themselves in this, like that inner conflict is really strong throughout, throughout the story and throughout a lot of characters. It is such a, a rich story. And Kate, I love what you were saying about just how he knew them. And I think so often stories like this that are 
are plot driven, um, we kind of forget to put in that added depth to the characters or, or we can kind of miss that or the stories can kind of miss that sometimes. And so I think um, just as we close, I want to encourage anyone listening as you're writing, like think about that. Think about where your characters come from and why they are the way they are and also what their motivation is, but but why do they have that motivation and just dig into the, just dig into knowing them better. So thank you both for joining us. It has been a delight to talk with you both and you have just so much wisdom. Um, I'm always, always enjoy talking with you and thank you all for listening. So we hope that you keep reading and writing and putting your work out into the world.